When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Peak to Pit. I'm Allie Peak alongside TJ Pittinger. Florida had a pretty good weekend against Arkansas. Florida State did not. TJ, how are you feeling after that one? I'm feeling like, I think I said this last year, I wish we would have been friends in like 2013 and 14, <laughs> uh, 15, 16, 17. <laughs> I, I feel like, like I've been very that. tempered for what I could be like this season. I think you have. I think it's also like you understand. I know what it feels like to to have a year like that too, though. I know you're not crying and you know over it. And now last year you were because you wanted a coaching change, but I think you're happy with where you are and you're just gonna give Norval some time to, you know, build what what he wants. Yeah. You talked about this earlier in the year, right? Um, What's the difference between a? I mean, truthfully, what's the difference between like a five and six season and a three and eight? You know, is it? No, there's I, not. Does it feel a little bit better? I mean, maybe, maybe you get into a bowl game at five and six, you know, but like, who cares? Like, really? I mean, the bowl, the extra bowl practices would have been cool, but I mean, there's going to be so much roster turnover that I don't even know how much it matters. But yeah, we had, um, you know, it's just going to be a longer rebuild than, than we thought, right? Like Mullen was, I'm sorry, McElwain was recruiting well, uh, well enough. And there were players in certain positions. Uh, and then you guys went, you know, and 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 he had let and Muschamp before that had laid a good foundation of talent. Sure, um, in sure. certain places, and so especially in, when, on defense. Nolan, I mean, Florida was loaded. They they were just you know so incompetently run, and and they weren't as bad as the four and seven record. You know, yeah. McIlwain's last year they had won well, ten games the two both years before. Of those so when Mullen had a crazy rash yeah. of injuries, which made it look so, even worse than it was. Not that it was fully so competent, Mullen, but. So when Mullen came in, he took over better than a four and eight program or four and seven program, right? Oh, and so, yeah. um, you know, it was a little not saying that what he hasn't done has been hasn't been impressive, but I think it's you know just a little longer of a rebuild for for um, for Florida State. And so you know we'll get there. They they struggled this weekend. I mean, I don't really have a lot of um, you know insider thoughts on on the game. I didn't watch it again live this week. We had um, the grand opening with a big three roll up in Orlando, which is a lot of fun. And we had a good time out there, but I, I didn't watch much of the game live. I did watch it again on, on replay and uh, Florida state's defense held up a little bit in the, in, you know, to start the game, but then, you know, kind of like 
the certainly not comparing these units, but kind of like the 2013 Gators when your offense just can't get anything going. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. They just keep getting thrown on the field over and over and over and over again. And eventually you, you get tired and you give stuff up. So sure. that's kind of was the story with NC state Florida state's defense looked fairly good to start the game and then kind of just got worn out and winded Florida state um, lost their quarterback um, through this game. Chubba Purdy is, is out for the year. So Chubba Purdy's out for the year. Jordan Travis hasn't played the last two weeks due to injury. And um, James Blackman's no longer on the roster. It sounds like it, um, but he's coming off of, you know, not playing the last two weeks due to injury. So who knows, you know, how how long he'll be able to hold up or if he will. Uh, You would hope he, you know. I hope they wouldn't play him if he's not fully healthy because I I think he is – um, a good option for Florida State moving forward. And I don't know that it matters who plays quarterback this week. So hopefully he's fully healthy. It doesn't seem like a good gamble if he's not, because yeah, you do think- have a couple winnable games left on the schedule. This ain't one of them, no matter who is starting for you. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think that it would be morally wrong anyway <laughs> to put a quarterback out that's not 100 percent or i mean we can re-injure every sitting. player though too in all of college yeah. football and that happens every saturday so i would hope that that's not the case especially against a game that that doesn't really matter you know who who's out there and who starts you know it could be emerson starting and, and it would probably be about the same result so um <laughs> so anyway so yeah florida state you know, was able to score a couple of times late to make the score a little closer than it really was. 38-26 final, um, 38-22 final. It was a 16-point game. Um, looked a little better than than what it really was. It wasn't really all that close. I think it was 35-9 to going into the fourth quarter. And really that touchdown before that was, you know, there was a touchdown just before that to kind of get it a little bit closer there. So uh, Florida State plays Clemson this week. It's really just a... You know, we again we had Kirk on on the Florida State show. Um, yeah, congratulations on that. That's a great get. That was fun. Um, it helps when you have a you know former national champion and short stint NFLer on your podcast. That I mean, guys like that's in my own house, and I haven't interviewed him. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, so that was a lot of fun. But yeah, he said you know it's such a loser blood moral victory thing at this point. But you know. It's who are the guys that are still fighting for each other? Who are the guys that are still fighting for a roster spot next year? Who are the guys that look like they care about the logo and the program and the team and the coach? And you know, that those are the things you look for. You're not gonna look for anything from a talent perspective. There is not one player. Oh, I take that back. There's probably one player on Florida State's roster that would start at Clemson. Um, and that's you know, in Florida State starting twenty-two. And so you know, when you're outmanned 21 to one, you know, it's not going to be pretty at all. Clemson beats the hell out of a lot of play teams they play. So it's not just a Florida state, sure. game, but you mix in the Florida state aspect of it. Um, it is really just truly how much does Dabo want to, want to beat us by. Uh, I think he remembers the 2013 game when they were ranked number three in the country and we went in and beat them 51 to 14. Uh, and that last touchdown of theirs coming really, really late in garbage time. Um, I think he remembers that and he kind of puts it on us when he can um, saying that beating a, a terrible team, probably the worst in Florida state's last four decades will never compare to getting your head beat in 
uh, at home when you were number three. So I also he'll probably think, continue though, to put it on us. That, like that style points matter this year, for especially for teams with one loss. And I think that Clemson's loss is obviously different than pretty much anybody else in the country's one loss because they didn't have their starting quarterback. But I think there's a chance he runs it up based on the fact that I think style points are going to matter this year. Do you, see, I I don't think that um, – shocker, I'm going to disagree here. I don't know that style points matter for Clemson specifically. I think style points matter for uh, A&M. Style points matter for Notre Dame. Style points matter for Miami. But Clemson could so why beat does Florida style State. points matter for Notre Dame who's undefeated but not for Clemson with a loss? Because I'm assuming that Clemson is going to beat Notre Dame. And, and then they both the have one loss. But by winning the championship, Clemson's yeah. going to go, right? So Clemson Clemson could beat Florida State by three points this weekend and then win their last two games and then beat Notre Dame by three points, and they'd be in the playoff, right, See, as the ACC champion. So yeah, I, mean, I mean, I think so honestly I think happening, I think, hurts that's what, Notre Dame. Actually, I think Clemson only beating Florida State by three and then going on and beating Notre Dame by three kind of makes the whole group look less appetizing. You're right that Clemson would go because they'll be the conference champion and people will take into account um, that they were undermanned when they played Notre Dame. But I think that things like that are a notch against Notre Dame. Yeah, and I agree with that. That's why I'm saying that. I don't think the style points matter for Clemson specifically. Kind of like I don't think I don't know that, that there's a coach in the country right now that's going to leave style points on the table in this year. This year is weird. Yeah, no, and I don't either. I'm just saying I don't. Something I, could happen that Clemson doesn't disagree. play, you know, the last two games of the season or something going into the championship. And so then and you really. I mean, they're still in. I mean, they're still in with all these scenarios. I, I I'm not disagreeing with you on it. I don't know that I think that not, they're in if you don't play two games, but I'll tell you what, they sure are going to look closer at the games you did play if you miss multiple games that can't be made up. Clemson injected all of their players with COVID before the season started. Remember when they had like 50 kids? Yeah, so like, I don't did that really too, worry. but then it didn't end up helping LSU in the end. Um, my point, and I'm sticking by, is that style points don't matter for Clemson this year. I'm not saying that Dabo is going to let up or anything, but if they beat us and beat Notre Dame, it's over. I mean, they're not losing any of their last few games. And so, you know, Dabo's not going to let up. I mean, you're right about that. Like, he's not going to think like, oh, we don't need the style points, but I just don't think they matter this year for Clemson. Because uh, if they win out, they're in. If they lose another game, no matter who it is, they're out. Like the number of points they win, just like Florida. Florida's a 30-point favorite this weekend. If they beat Vandy by three and then beat Alabama, they're in. So, like, that, and Mullen's not going to, like, up three, just kind of say, like, okay, let's see if we can hold this lead. Of course, he's going to go after it. But I don't think the style points matter for Florida either. Their their path is very straight of what needs to happen. Like, you know, if they went out, they're in. If they lose another game, they're out. And the style points matter to me more for teams like A&M, teams like Miami, who are going to finish with one loss and need to show that they're a great team. They're deserving that fourth spot. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't Miami's know not getting that fourth spot. That's. I think a lot of crazy stuff would have to happen. You have to have uh, like some lot. weird upsets. You, you'd have, you'd need like, you'd need like Clemson to lose a game. They're not supposed to lose, you know, and then Notre Dame to lose a game. They're not supposed to. So they both go in like with a loss or two. Right. And then, you know, Florida loses to somebody weird like Kentucky and then beats Alabama, right? So then you've got, you know, Alabama out or just weird stuff like that. Like that's kind of how 
and, and obviously I don't see any of that stuff happening. Like I don't, I don't see Clemson losing before the championship game. I don't see Alabama or Florida losing before the championship game. I don't see A&M losing another game. And so like Miami would need all of those things to happen. I don't think Miami is that good. I mean, they beat Virginia no, Tech this weekend, not. but at the same time, I'm seven and one, seven and one. Right. So, you know, you, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think they're that good, but you know, you are what your record is. Right. So, yeah. um, Florida had a good game this weekend against um, Arkansas. Felipe Franks came back to town, and um, it was close for a drive or two, and then it was no longer close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Florida played great. You know, um, Florida's defense is still not where I think that longtime Gator fans expect it to be, want it to be, are used to it being, but I think it's a lot better than it was uh, first couple games of the season. Uh, they're still giving up too many big plays in my book. I feel like, uh, you know, you can't let people get behind you in the secondary when you're playing better teams. You know, that's how big plays happen. That's, that's not going to fly against Alabama, but if you're putting up 63 points a game, you can allow, you know, there's a little bit of room for stuff like that to happen. And it'd still be okay. Uh, 63 points without Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts had a concussion. He will not play this upcoming week against Vanderbilt either, which means it was a pretty bad concussion to uh, miss two games. But, you know, I think that for the beginning of the season, we heard a lot of, well, just figure out how to stop Kyle Pitts because Florida is not that great at running. They, you know, that's their main weapon. Uh, I think they showed this weekend that, you know, you need a different game plan than that. Yeah, I mean, Florida's weapons on offense are just insane, um, especially, you know, throwing the ball. Um, they've, they've not strung together a lot of impressive, you know, running games or anything, but their their weapons and what's working and, and throwing the ball is very impressive. And, you know, you take out their, you know, their, I, this is no shot at Trask, but literally the best player on the team and uh, the most talented player on the team is maybe the best way to say that. Uh, and they still score 63 points. Their number one option on offense that everybody's worried about double teaming and how do we right. shut down Pitts? Well, you take them out of the game and they still score 63. Yeah. Arkansas is not a, not a great team. They, they're they not a prolific off, uh, defense by any means. Um, but they're, a, you know, they're an average to just below average team. And, you know, anytime you put 63 up on any Power 5 team, sure. especially in a, I you would know, call them very much middle to middle to bottom of, of the road for the SEC. I mean, I think Arkansas is much improved from where they were last year. Um, I don't know how much that's saying, but they are a better team than they were last year. I think that they, I mean, I don't know. Where do you, I don't know. They're somewhere around the, the they're not a Vanderbilt. They're not a Texas A&M. And they're somewhere in between that that pack. Um, and you know, we we touched momentarily on running backs. I will say, you know, Florida, their top three running backs are each averaging four and a half yards a touch. So Florida's not running the ball a ton, but when they do, they're they are running it effectively. Um, it's just well, not the what they're game choosing is, to do. Yeah, the passing game is so much more effective. So why would sure. you do Sure, there's no there's the no need, but it's not like it's I mean, they've had success with that too. It's just not why why you don't even need to. Yeah, I don't yeah, you don't really have a um like a workhorse number one running. No, back. they've been and they've so, been going between so like, Pierce nobody, and Davis and Wright all kind of nobody together. gets nobody gets in a rhythm, nobody can right. really grind it out and 
get you those yards because, you know, they're off the field the next drive or they don't even get a rush the next drive or, sure, or just whatever sure. the situation is. So that kind of impacts it as well. And like I said, the, the passing game is working. And until teams stop it, which, you know, very few can or will, um, you know, why would you why would you why, go the other why? way? I've got yeah. some I've got some thoughts on that when we get into some Heisman talk here in a minute. But yeah, like I think Arkansas is, you know, they're LSU's having a down year, but they're in the bottom three of the of the division, right? With Mississippi, Mississippi State, and Arkansas all kind of hanging out there, similar to you know your Vanderbilt and South Carolina. You know, they're they're a below average SEC team. You know, but definitely improved from last year. Um, but yeah, Florida looked really good. Uh, basically everything they wanted to, to do the other day they did. And so Florida goes from playing one bottom of the division team to the, the worst team. The <laughs> yeah. The worst team, um, in the entire sec, Florida finishes out with, uh, a really favorable schedule, you know, until Atlanta, but their next four games being against Vanderbilt, um, Kentucky, Tennessee, and LSU. Um, they really have no excuses. They'll be double digit favorites in every game, yeah. uh, without a doubt. Is the Kentucky game on the road? I mean, I still, it'll be like a 12 or 13 point favorite there. So, yeah. um, double digit favorites from here on out. I guess the one that maybe would worry you the most, um, would be Kentucky. But I, even that, like that's so – like I just could not see a scenario where, where Florida loses that. But thoughts on Vandy this weekend? Um, you know, I think that this will get labeled um, as a trap game. I don't know that I really believe in trap games just in general. I don't believe in trap games for this particular team because I think this team's pretty aware of what's on the line. Um Generally, they say a track game is like in between two big games, and I wouldn't call Arkansas, you know, a big game. I don't think anything we have left on the schedule is a big game, but I think it's one of those where it's noon, you know, you could get caught sleeping. But if that happens, it'll be like you got caught sleeping for the first seven minutes of the game, not you got caught sleeping the whole game. I mean, there's not an upset that's on the horizon here or anything. Um, I think Florida you know, 30 points or 31, whatever it is, is a huge, huge spread um, for anybody. I think there's a decent chance that that doesn't get covered based solely on the fact that I think that there's a chance Mullen rests some guys, gives some younger guys a chance and basically, you know, tries to kind of protect from injury. These are one of those situations where you keep your starters in too long and then God forbid something, you know, goes wrong and you can turn back and look and say like, shoot, this is exactly where I should have pulled him. And I didn't. Um, and you know, you don't want to get in one of those situations, but they'll put up a lot of points. Uh, you know, it'll be fun. We won't see anything new out of the offense. It'll, uh, you know, I'd like us to hang 60 points. I don't know if that'll happen again, but I feel like in general, it's going to be a game a lot like Arkansas where it's just pretty much never in question. I think the only real question is, with this game with Florida and Vanderbilt this weekend is how long Mullen leaves um, Trask in to pad his stats, right? And and try and get other guys some burn. You know, Florida spreads the ball around so much, especially with Pitts out that, you know, nobody has just insane receiving touchdown numbers because everybody gets a little love. So I think that's really the only question. But, I, you know, I could see the score being like 35 nothing at halftime. Do you really bring out the starters after that? I mean, maybe you give them the first drive of the second half, but five touchdowns is is plenty, you know, for 
for a stat game. I don't think anybody's going to look and say like, oh, you scored eight against Vandy. You know, like I think some of that stuff is kind of weighed in. So um, I would be surprised if he doesn't keep the six touchdown streak going for him. So whether that means, I mean, uh, last week he got that in the first half, so it wouldn't matter. Um, but I would be surprised if I mean, he pulls would, him out before he has six. This would only be the second game in a row with six, right? Cause it was four the week before. Oh, so maybe it's the four touchdowns. Maybe it's six games of four, four touchdowns. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So they don't pull six, him before that against- is essentially. Six against Ole Miss, four against everyone else, six against Arkansas. Right. Okay. So, so that's what six, it is. It's, it's, I don't think they pull him out till he has at least his four, which I think will probably happen in literally the first quarter. But, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's any other stats that he's particularly close to. I have zero idea if Mullen pays attention at all to anything like that. I don't think Mullen's goal is the Heisman so much as it's the national championship. And I think that every series that a quarterback that, doesn't need to be in is in, in a meaningless game is I just think about Tyrone Prethrow. Um, it was in 2005 against Alabama, um, Florida, Alabama, I believe it was in Tuscaloosa. Um, you know, Alabama was just pounding Florida. There was zero reason for Tyrone Prethrow to be in that game. He was going to be a first round draft pick. Um, and he suffered a gruesome leg injury. I mean, horrific. And he never played football again after that. And a lot of people looked at that's when Shula was the coach for Alabama. And, you know, that was on Shula. There was zero reason for him to be in that game. Alabama was up by like 30 points and he never played football again. And I always think about that when I think about starters being in too long. It's so hard to judge though, right? Like I was thinking about that when, um, a totally different sport, but like in game six of the, I'm sorry, game, game five, maybe, I don't know. Whenever the last time that I think it was game five, I don't know, whatever the Lakers were playing a game and they were literally up 30 and LeBron and AD were still in. And it wasn't the last game of the year. And I was just like in the finals and I was like, why are these guys still in? But you know, like it's, you know, it's such a hard line to tell, like, okay, it's 35 enough. 35 nothing okay is 35 nothing in the third quarter okay is yeah. 28 nothing in the fourth quarter like when it it's such a fine line um we, i mean we went up to a florida state nc state game uh in 2013 and it was 35 nothing at the end of the first quarter and i mean jim and and the game i think it ended up being 63 to 7 63 nothing i don't know it was it was big uh 56 to 7 something like that and so like Jimbo literally could have taken the starters out of the first quarter. Now I don't ever expect that to happen, right? Like you always get a half, it seems. But yeah, it's such a hard thing to know. And and yeah, I don't think Mullen, um, shocker, gonna disagree with you. I don't I do think Mullen cares about the Heisman, but in the way that he cares about like his players getting their due reward. I, and I think I've got some thoughts around that, but I don't think he cares about it at the risk of an injury or at the risk of a national championship. But I do think he cares about it. I sure. think that, I mean, that's kind of evident with some things. When you're a a coach known for grooming quarterbacks and part of your job is recruiting the next best quarterback in the country, it for sure matters if you've coached a Heisman Trophy winner or not. You know, I, I think that it 
I'm not saying he doesn't care about it at all. I just don't think he cares about a Heisman if it's a Heisman or a national championship. You know, I don't think he's chasing the Heisman. I think he's chasing the national championship. And as a byproduct, Kyle Trask is in the running for the Heisman. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I obviously you want the championship um, more often than not more often, or you want the championship more than the Heisman. I mean, there have only been certain scenarios where the Heisman winner wasn't in contention for the championship. Uh, you think about Tim Tebow Think about RG three at Baylor. You think about uh, Lamar Jackson at Louisville. Outside of that, I mean, think about the Heisman's before that. Burrow last year in it. Murray last year in the playoff. Baker the year before that in the playoff. Uh, Derrick Henry in the year before Lamar was in the playoff. Mariota in the playoff. Jameis won it. Uh, Manziel not in contention for it. Cam Newton before RG three in the playoff. So yeah, like most years, the unless you're doing it goes hand historic, in hand. it goes hand in hand. Yeah, for sure. And most of the time they are. Okay, so speaking of the Heisman and Kyle Trask, I do have some thoughts on this. Um, What I want to preface all of these thoughts with is that I think that Kyle Trask deserves to be, you know, either leading or in second place for the Heisman. Like, I don't really care how you have like Mac or or Kyle in in it because it's going to come out, you know, on the field, right? Like, I think... Barring something kind of crazy, whoever wins that game will probably um, put their leg up in the Heisman. Like, I, I guess I could see the scenario where, you know, Trask throws for six touchdowns, Mac only throws for two because Bama can run the ball well, um, and Florida loses. But I, even then, I don't, maybe, I don't know, maybe that gets like Lawrence or Fields back into it. I, I don't, I don't foresee a situation where, a quarterback loses that game and wins the Heisman and wins the Heisman. I mean, I'm even thinking like of a scenario where like Florida scores 49, like Trask legitimately has seven touchdowns, but loses that game. I just think that's going to take away. I just think that, that, you know, it's about, um, it's, it's never been about just the best player. It's always been about the best player on the best team. Right. Right. And so it's a combination of that. Outside of, you know, a few of those, you know, we talked about this, the years that RG3 and Manziel and Lamar, they did like historic, historic Tim Tebow, he's, I mean, think about what happened in his season. That was the 2020. Did great, great things. But the other thing that happened those years is there wasn't another clear best player on the best team, right? Like a lot of those teams were like Alabama winning with, you know, the way they won or, uh, yeah, like Alabama Won the well, championship the year of the manager back then, you know. Right, so you're not going to give it to. So they weren't in the contention. You're not giving it to AJ McCarron just because he won the champion. Like you got it. Right, right. So anyway, all that said, Florida is the. I think a lot of this really, really benefits Trask. I said this yesterday about kind of the people are saying that this is super impressive because it's an all SEC schedule. And I just don't know that I buy that. I think that it's it sounds great. And this is, again, not to take away from Trask at all, because he's been fantastic one way or the other. But, you know, the all-SEC schedule is not the same as if we just said it's an all-SEC schedule five, ten years ago, right? Like, that's it's much, much different than it was. 
Um, also, the the teams that he's gotten to play in this SEC schedule, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Missouri, South Carolina, really bad defenses. Um, he's putting up numbers in those games that are more impressive than people like to compare it to Burrow, that are more impressive than the numbers that Burrow put up against bad teams, right? Like people say, oh, well, Burrow played like an FBS opponent, right, in Northwestern State last year. And, you know, so it's more impressive that Trask has six touchdowns against Ole Miss than Burrow playing an FBS team. And that sounds good on its face. Uh, Burrow threw the ball 21 times and had two touchdowns in that game. So it's not like he went out there and played an FBS opponent and like padded stats. LSU scored eight touchdowns and six of them were rushing touchdowns. So yes, he played a worse team, but it's not like he just went out there and ran up the score and got 10 touchdowns against a really, really bad team. Um, LSU, funny stat, LSU ran for more touchdowns in that game than Florida has the entire season this year. Um, And granted, we're only halfway, well, a little more than halfway, right? Because he only played 10 games. So I think Trask has been good, but I think there are some things that are leading to his numbers being what they are. Um, SEC defense being down is one of them. Uh, getting to play. Uh, Florida's defense being down is another one. How many years that Florida scored 50 on Ole Miss would Trask need to throw six touchdowns because of Florida's defense? Not many, right? Like Florida's defense being bad is keeping Trask in games for longer. And so I think that's helping him out. Uh, and the last thing that I think about Trask with the Heisman is that Florida's passing versus running is the most unbalanced in the last 10 years of any uh, player that was in competition for the Heisman. Um, Trask has 28 passing touchdowns over six games. Really, really good. Keeping the streak alive. Florida has five rushing touchdowns and only two of those are by running backs, right? The other three are Emory's Trask's and Tony's. And so Florida's 15% of Florida's um, touchdowns are on the ground, right? The average is about 52%. Like the average for college football is about 52%. So it's like flip a coin, right? Half of people's touchdowns are going to be rushing and half are going to be passing. Uh, I think Florida is kind of an anomaly in that. And if the numbers were even just 30%, you're looking at Trask having like 16, 17 touchdowns, which isn't bad, but it's not so, so weighted heavily. And so like that kind of takes me back to when you said Mullen doesn't care about the Heisman. I think he does. I think he knows that Trask is going to win it because he's basically putting all of his eggs into that one basket. They're not running the ball when they get into the red zone. They're not trying to get touchdowns on the ground. They have two running back touchdowns this year in six games. That's insane. And so um, you look at the year that uh, the year that Jameis won the Heisman. He had 40 passing touchdowns, and Florida State ran for 42. You look at the year that um, the year, even the year that uh, Burrow had last year, he had 60 touchdowns. LSU ran for. Th- 32 so, of them. How many so, rushing touchdowns think, did you just tell me that Florida had? Florida has five rushing touchdowns. Okay. Okay. For some reason, two I said two for a second. Okay. Here's well, right. two, two by running backs. So, 
and I'm not discrediting those other three. Damian Pierce has two. Nakway Wright has one. And then Emory Jones has one. And uh, Kadarius Toney has one. So three of the five are running backs. Three. So basically every other game, or six in, a running back gets a touchdown. Right. Um, The way that breaks down over Mullins' career is basically if we take out this season – Mullins coach teams, so all of the Mississippi State teams and all of the Florida teams that he was the offensive coordinator, um, there have been 372 passing touchdowns and 387 rushing touchdowns. So goes back to that 50% average. On average, teams rush for 51% of the scores on Mullen coach teams. Um Florida is a statistical anomaly this year. It is unheard of for 85% scores being one or the other, right? Um, Looking at all the other Heismans, like, you know, Cam's was 57% rushing touchdowns. RG3 was 50. Um, Jameis's was 51. Mariota's was 50. Henry was 57. Lamar was 55. Smith at Utah in that too, by the way. I only went back the last 10 years. Um, so I did. So no, I, I started with where that was. I mean, it wouldn't it, one more year or two more, three more years wouldn't have changed it that much. I mean, I could go look at it. Um, but I, I think that not to, it definitely sounds like I'm taking something away from Trask. I still agree that he should be in the contention, but I just want to point out if anyone else, like right now, Trevor Lawrence has 17 touchdowns and Clemson has rushed for 21. Uh, Mac Jones has 16 touchdowns and Alabama has rushed for 18. Justin Fields, only three games, has 11 touchdowns and they run for seven. So his is like 40%, right? 40% rushing touchdowns. So Florida is an absolute statistical anomaly. And so I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. They are winning games. There is nothing wrong with the way they're playing. If they weren't a statistical anomaly, Trask wouldn't be up there. So he'd be, he'd be in the mix, but he wouldn't be leading it because he would only have like 16, 17 touchdowns on a low ball. Like if he stuck to the 50% average, it'd be like 14, 15. So like, again, I Trask has done everything he's been asked and he is, um, performing and that's all it takes. But I think when you dive a little bit deeper in the numbers, Jameis set the freshman record for rushing for passing touchdowns, and Florida State still had more running touchdowns than they had passing touchdowns that season. That doesn't mean that Jameis was better or anything else, but they were definitely more balanced, right? Florida State was much more balanced. Most teams over the last 10 years, and then most of all of Mullen's teams have been much, much more balanced than what it is. So I guess my point is if any quarterback that, that is like in contention for it, if all their coach does is pass for touchdowns, then that they're going to win, you know? So like, that's why I do think Mullen cares about it. And that, and it kind of is, you can't be that much of a statistical anomaly and not say like something's up, not something's up in a bad way, not to say trash shouldn't be leading, but I, it's definitely, it's definitely influencing it. It's definitely making it, Couple okay. things. One, I think that one of the things that Dan Mullen does best as a coach is put his 
players in positions to be successful. I think he, and I know that that's the goal of every coach, but I think Dan Mullen does it better than probably 95% of coaches out there. He, he has a way of masking his team's weaknesses better than most. I think that he knows that Trask's arm is what gives, and, and our wide receivers, obviously, and tight end, are what gives Florida their best chance to win. I think they would be more balanced if he thought that would going that was going to produce a better result. I think so. I don't know that I think that's influenced by the Heisman. I think that's the Heisman and him being in contention is a byproduct of that. I think the initial intention is that that's what gives Florida the best chance every Saturday. Um, I don't disagree with what you're saying about the statistical anomalies and it padding um, his stats more so than some of the other guys. I do disagree with your point about the SEC defenses being down and such. I'm not saying that they're not. I do think as a whole, the SEC defense is down, but I think as a whole, defense is down across the country. And I would be very hard pressed to say that Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields is seeing harder defenses week in and week out in the ACC and the Big Ten. I would say in general, every year in college football, those conferences, those players are not seeing better defenses. In fact, I would say that in general, they're seeing worse defenses, but that hasn't been a knock against them getting Heisman candidates in the past. So I don't know why that would be an issue this year. Um, I understand what you said about comparing it to Burrow. I think that there's more validity to your argument when you're comparing within the conference and saying like, so yes, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, he he's putting up these numbers against SEC teams compared to Joe Burrow against, you know, whatever group of five or less programs, but Joe Burrow was only in for the first quarter and a half or two and a half quarters or what, or whatever else. I see the comparison there. I don't think it's really uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, their teams may be more balanced and you can, we can have a discussion about that. They're not seeing anything harder than what Trask is seeing though. Yeah, And, when, so, and I want to, and I want to jump in for just a second. Cause I don't, I agree with you there. That's not the argument that I'm making is that, the well, SEC is the SEC. No, no, here we go. That the SEC is down lower than anyone else. I'm saying if if Trask had done this against an all SEC, and that's why I try to say this. If Trask had done this against the SEC five years ago or ten years ago, when the SEC's defense was absolutely unstoppable, when we had national championships and games of the year that were nine to six between Alabama and LSU, it would be more impressive to me. I'm not saying uh, yes, that. I think not, that's a fair so, statement. So, so I'm not saying that Trask is less impressive against the SEC than Lawrence is against the AC. That's not my point by saying it's an all-SEC schedule. I'm saying this was the best year ever to, to play, and next year might be better. Like this Defense may continue to go down, but this was the best year ever to play an all-SEC schedule because the SEC's defenses are weaker than they've ever been. And that does, and, and you're right about it being down in college general, football in general, but again, my point is not that Oh, okay. All of a sudden, the ACC's defenses are better than the than the Big Ten, or the Big Ten's better than the SEC, or anything. My point is just that it's down. So the All SEC argument holds less weight, just because 
that doesn't really matter as much anymore, right? Like the defenses I mean, just I aren't don't, there. I, I don't think it matters. I think it would be more impressive if he was doing this against the SEC defenses of five years ago. I don't think it's fair to say it doesn't matter, though, because playing a schedule of all power five teams, whether it's in conference or out, honestly, just all power five teams is more impressive than not playing a schedule of all power five teams. I still I think it's also very difficult for us to judge how good some of these teams are because they only play each other. And so we really don't have the benefit that we have most years where like, okay, so we say Tennessee's garbage or Kentucky's garbage, but then, you know, they play teams from the ACC or the big 10 or whatever else. And they actually do a lot better against some of their, you know, that conference is better teams. And it's, it's, you know, that these teams beat up against each other. I'm not saying that's for sure the case, but we really don't know this year because there's nothing to compare it to except for in conference. The defense is down compared to where it generally is. The offenses are better than when, than, they generally are. This conference has kind of done this weird shift. It'll be interesting to see if it's something that's mainly COVID related or if it's a whole philosophy change for the conference. I tend to think it's a combination of both. So it'll be interesting to see going forward if this still remains um, the trend for these teams. But I disagree that it's not impressive. I agree that it would be more impressive five years ago. Um, but I, I do think that it's all. You're not you're not disagreeing with me that it's not impressive because I never said it wasn't impressive. I said it's less impressive. Uh, the The weight of all SEC. I didn't even say it wasn't impressive. I said the weight of all SEC means less this year than it ever has. Right? It's kind of Correct. my point. Correct. And so, if you're okay. saying the SEC defenses are down, then I think we agree there. I'm not saying the Trask hasn't been impressive. I will say this: if Trevor Lawrence right now coming in as the Heisman favorite had so Clemson has scored um Lawrence's passing touchdowns and all rushing touchdowns equate to 38 touchdowns, right? Florida scored 33 if you take Trask's throwing and, and rushing touchdowns. So I'm taking out DJ's and Emory's passing touchdowns because they don't really factor right. into this. Right. Clemson scored 38 touchdowns to Florida's 33. If the same ratio existed for Lawrence and Trask, Lawrence would have 32 touchdowns right now. He'd be eight ahead or he'd be five ahead of Trask or four ahead of Trask. And the people would, because he was the favorite, people would be lauding him as like, oh my gosh, he's got 32 through seven games. It'd be the same thing, right? Yeah. Same thing, same thing with Fields. Through three games, Fields would have 18 touchdowns. And people would be like, oh my God, 18 touchdowns through three games. Like, this is insane. And so, if any, same thing, you know, Mac Jones has just as many yards. At this, and so, this is just so telling to me. Not that it's, again, a bad thing, but Mac Jones has the same number of yards, if not more, than Trask and 12 less touchdowns because Alabama runs the ball, right? Sure. Alabama has more rushing touchdowns than they have passing touchdowns. And so, if Saban. Every time he got in the red zone, it was like, hey, we're not running anymore. We're only throwing. Alabama's athletes could go up and catch the ball. Like, nobody's worried about that, right? Like, Mac has just as few interceptions. Like, it's, you know, but I think Mullen gets into the red zone and knows, hey, we're going we're gonna to keep throwing the ball. And that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Mullen's never done it like this before in his career. Uh, the last two years at Florida, the passing and rushing touchdowns were 33 and 21. And then before that it was 28 and 23. So he always has passed a little more than run, 
but not like this year. And I think that if if Dabo and Nick and Ryan Day had the same mindset of we're just going to keep throwing the ball and not give anything to our running backs, <laughs> their stats would be kind of gaudy too, right? And so that's – I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying that his stats aren't the most impressive because they probably still are, whether you're you know throwing the ball more or less, running it more or less, whatever. I just think that that's kind of a hidden – thing that's not being considered when you think about it, you know, it's just kind of how imbalanced or unbalanced. I don't think imbalanced is a word unbalanced Florida's offense is. Um, but again, it is what works, it, you know, so if well, it's I working, think that is the root of it though. That is, I don't think not, it works. Florida's team doesn't work with a balanced offense this year. Um, well, we just don't know as well, right? Like they're just attempting in the red I, zone. They're attempting I don't know. I just don't so. think they would have at the beginning, at the very beginning of the year, we would have seen it more if it worked more. I, I think that they are this way by design, not because they want the Heisman, but because they want the national championship. I, I, I don't believe that Mullen believes he could win with a 50-50 offense right now. Yeah, I don't even know that 50-50 is – you know, 60, what, 40, whatever. I just think it is if, risky if it was, to play a game was, like this. If it was 60, 40 right now, Trask would have 14 passing touchdowns. So like if it was 70, 30, he would have 16 passing touchdowns. Right. Again, it just, you know, Listen, it's I'm just, just saying, I don't so think much of an this is by design, but it's not because of the Heisman. It's by design because it, it's what Mullen thinks is what's going to be the most successful for the team as a whole. Um, I just think it's a it's a you know a happy accident that it is also beneficial for a Heisman campaign for Kyle Trask, and that doesn't mean that he might not keep him in a series longer than he should to keep a streak going because it helps for the Heisman or something like that. Like I, I'm not saying that, that's not out of the realm. That's my that's my um, thought. Is you know when you look at the games that have happened, Florida had a three touchdown lead late in the third quarter, and. Uh, Kyle Trask threw a touchdown to Justin Shorter, a two-yard pass to Justin Shorter. And I know Florida's offense hasn't been good, but you're telling me they get or their running backs haven't been good. But you're telling me that from two yards away, they couldn't have got that when they were averaging four and a four and a half. I think that was intentional to that get might have been a, touchdown. Yeah. a cherry on the, the top. But the design the, as a whole yeah, is in the, how the team is going to be the most successful. Sure. And then up four scores. Another red zone pass from Trask to Grimes for a touchdown with less than half of the fourth quarter to go uh, against Missouri. And then I think you saw that again against um, in the fourth quarter of this last game. Up three scores, um, two more touchdowns. So I, I think it's, I think that there are, I think that both things are true. By design, Florida's offense works better this way. And Mullen knows that if he can kind of pad the stats a little bit and help his guy out, he's going to do that. Sure. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think these teams like Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State have all kind of been there in very recent history. And so they really – like you'd never see Dabo trying to pad the stats for the Heisman at this point. I think he probably would have in the past – but I don't think they, you know, Mac Jones, I, I think Saban doesn't pad the stats for anything. Like he just wants to, like, obviously they have more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns. But I think there's an aspect of it. And and we are, well, we're six games in, there's four to go. I think it'll be telling in these next four blowouts for Florida, 
how much Mullen does it. Because most yeah. of Florida's games, I'll give Mullen a little credit. Most of Florida's games haven't been blowouts. The Ole Miss game Correct. was never in doubt, but. But also never safe like, enough that you really, I mean, most of these have not been comfortable enough. Arkansas, notwithstanding, obviously, they've not been comfortable enough that you sit your starter, who, by the way, doesn't have that much experience starting, which is another thing, too. If you're going with a guy, this is his third or fourth year being your starting quarterback, you know he knows this offense inside and out. You're not concerned with him also getting the reps he he needs to be prepared to play those tougher games down the stretch because you know he has. He's played for a long time. That's not really the case with Trask. Outside of, you know, he started for Florida six games last year after uh, Franks' injury. He hasn't started a game since eighth grade. So that is also, I'm not saying that's a major factor, but that is also a factor. This is not, this is not a seasoned guy. I mean, I don't know how much that matters. I, I think he is a seasoned guy now. I mean, just look how he's playing. You know, I mean, like I don't. He's, he's I don't played know that that. twelve games. He's played twelve games as the starter since eighth grade. I mean, think about, and that's part of the reason he's in this conversation for the Heisman as well, because we all know the Heisman loves a story, and this is a freaking great story. Um, but you, I mean, think about this. You t- we talk about how we sit guys so that we can get the guys underneath them reps so that when their number is called, they're prepared. Same concept. His number was called. He's never had any time at all to be prepared. That's actual game footage. This is it this season and the six games from last year. So I think it's different if he'd been the starter for the two seasons previous to this one, the whole seasons. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that that matters. I mean, Menzel won the Heisman his first year starting. Jameis won the Heisman his first year starting. So I, I don't, I don't know that. So did Tebow. Yeah. So I mean, I don't. You know, the fact that he didn't start the year before or, or whatever. I, I, you I know. that doesn't mean. I'm not it's, saying it doesn't I, mean that you can't win the Heisman. I'm break. just saying it's. I mean, even like let's look at Tim Tebow for instance. His first year starting, he wins it, but he he was a role player for Chris Leak the year before, so he he got that on the field experience as well. And again, I'm not saying it's a major factor. I'm saying it's, well, I mean, factor. Trask played, Trask played more last year than Tebow did his first year. So, I mean, it's kind Correct. of all the same. Correct. Right? So, I mean, he's, um, he's kind of coming into the same thing. So, you know, and I don't, I don't count what any of these guys did in high school as, you know, having any impact on what he's doing now as what, a, a, a is he a sophomore now? Is he a junior now? So, uh, you know, I don't, well, with everybody getting another year, I mean, he's still, he's a senior, but he's got another year. Right. So, yeah, I don't know that that matters as much. I, I like I said, I think these last four games will be telling. Mullen mm-hmm. could run Trask out there and get eight touchdowns this weekend against Vanderbilt if he wants to. Is he going to be throwing passes from the? Is he going to be throwing passes from the two yard line? Yeah, Mullen. If, he's if not he going to sit him before halftime, no matter what. He could score ten touchdowns in the first half, and he's not sitting until after that. I wouldn't no do that. What. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that either. I think the question becomes how much longer after that does he try and force the needle? Right. Um, Florida's running game. Hasn't so here's here's a good tell. Florida's running game has not been very good this year, or not consistent enough, and relied on enough um, to be great. If you're Mullen, it, literally anyone could run on Vandy, right? Like Vandy is not a team that I think worries people from a defensive perspective. Being zero and six, being literally one of the worst defenses. Um, I mean, in the country, I mean, I can kind of look that up real quick and tell you, you know, where they fall. Um, Vandy is 104th out of 120 teams. So 127 teams. So yeah, terrible run defense, terrible defense in general. 
Um, does Mullen try to get his running game going for um, the postseason? Or does Trash go throw six touchdowns in the first half and a couple of them be from inside the five-yard line? <laughs> you know, like, which which is uh, which is more important to Mullen? You know, the getting Trash stats up, polishing the passing game, I guess, or trying to get the running game working against a bad opponent, all right? Like, you didn't get to play any FCS schools. You didn't get to play Florida State this year. So do you try and do it against a bad opponent? I think opponent they do, it, and I think they do that in the second half against Vanderbilt. I don't think they do it against them in the first half, but I think that that is what they do in the second. And I think that the reason for that is because Mullen wants to get the stats up as much as he can. You know, I, uh, good, I think it's twofold. I think that I good, think that good, stats bad, or indifferent. Bad, I think, but I think I that's think, what he wants. I think it's easier to. Tweak the things that you need to work on with a comfortable lead. I think he knows he can get a comfortable lead quickly through the air. I think we all know that he could get a comfortable lead running the ball too against Vandy <laughs> because I just, because it's I Vandy. don't know, but but and I mean so, just just in, like, if, if you get up six touchdowns and then put the backups in and try and run the ball to improve things, what does that accomplish? That but accomplish I don't know anything. that they put all the backups in. I think they just take Trask out. I think they let Emery go behind the ones on the offensive line. I think they, I mean, they rotate three, three running backs, regardless of who's in at quarterback. So I think that Trask is really who you see come out. Maybe you see Tony come out too. I don't know, but I don't, um, you know, Zipperer will be in there this, this week. So he'd probably play the whole game regardless anyway, um, because Pitts isn't going to be there. So I kind of think, they get up big first half. Trash sits. Jones comes in, but everybody else stays, and they see what they oh, can get done. Over under two and a half rushing touchdowns by running backs this weekend. Mm, two and a half under. Yeah, over under one and a half by running backs this weekend. Over. I think they get two. Okay. Um, what's your score? How many, how many is Trask throwing for this weekend? And then how many is Amory? Like what's the, uh, how, what's the breakdown here? I think Trask throws many, for, let me, let me back up. Let me back up before, let me back up before you, I, I knew you were going to say six there, but let me back up. How many running back touchdowns while Trask is in? One. Okay. I'll take that. I, I think that Florida, I think, I think one, I think there's a decent chance Florida goes in and it's something like 35 to seven at halftime or something like that. I think it ends up being maybe 56 to 14, 56 to 17, something like that as a final score. Um, but I think they, they have 35 points heading into halftime. Six of those passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, I guess would be. Right, that would be. Yeah, I, guess. I mean, I can see that. So Trask has twenty-eight touchdowns. There's four games, four regular season games left. If you just kind of kept him at the average, right? Like he's he's got six in two games and four in four. So you're looking at like four a game. Um, the two sixes aren't enough to bump it all the way up to five and a half. So if you round down or four and a half. So if you round down, it's like four touchdowns a game. Um, so he could, if they keep it up, get sixteen more touchdowns. Um, and then let's say against Alabama, he only throws three, right? Like we'll take one off the average and just say Alabama is a better team. And so, um, you know, you're, you're not as productive if you threw four against Georgia, you, you know, maybe you throw three against Alabama, not that he couldn't get to four. So you're looking at 16, 19, 
plus let's say one bowl game. It's tough to predict that Florida is going to absolutely be Alabama. So you're looking at, you know, in the bowl game, maybe four more. Uh, you're looking at 23 potential more touchdowns. I mean, he could get to like 51 this year. And I think that's kind of a conservative estimate. Now, certainly if they run for three touchdowns this weekend and he only throws two and then comes out because they're up 42, nothing, then yeah, like it's going to kind of hit into that. But I think a pretty safe bet would be him getting to 50 touchdowns, which is pretty impressive one way or the other. Uh, I can tell you this, if Florida keeps scoring at a rate of only rushing 15% of their touchdowns, uh, he will absolutely get there. <laughs> if the uh, if the statistical anomaly doesn't change in the next four, five, six, maybe seven, if they make the playoffs and win a game, games, then I think that uh, I mean he'll definitely get up over fifty, which would be pretty impressive. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, who knows? We could totally be off on this. Florida could come out and just play lackluster and just get the win and get out. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think they throw the ball a lot the first half. Um, we talked a little bit about the Florida State Clemson games. Is there anything else you want to add about that? Are you, uh, I mean, what what are you thinking is a realistic score? The spread's 35, um, 34 and a half. Uh, I think that, um, you know, when you look at FSU Clemson from last year, um, you know, Florida State was, you know, Clemson came out and scored. Uh, 14 points in the first quarter, 14 in the second, 14 in the third, and then kind of called the dogs off, right? They were up 42 nothing. didn't really care. They didn't really go for a lot of jugular plays. Like it was kind of like slow, methodical drives, and that kind of helps, right? Like if, if Clemson, you know, has the ball for five minutes every drive and you kind of just keep everything in front of you and make them work down the field, which they can do very, very well, uh, it kind of limits the number of possessions, right? Like if you have a five-minute drive twice in a quarter, you're only getting the ball those two times, right? In Florida State, if they just take two minutes of a drive and go three and out, then I think it's uh, a little bit it, – it makes it a little uh, less damaging. I don't know how to say it. Like you're just not – if Clemson has 10 possessions in the first half, it's going to get really, really ugly. If they only have five, it can only be 35 nothing. Like it right. can't get any higher. Uh, which, by the so way that- – with your little quick math there reminds me when I tell you Florida's going to have 35-ish points at halftime, I just realized that I said Trask would throw for six and then there'd be one. That would be 49 points. So let's say Florida has 42 and maybe Trask has five passing touchdowns and there's one rushing. He comes in for the first drive of the second half, scores a touchdown and is done for the day. So I just I did that math in my head and was like, huh, that does not add up. Just thought I'd correct Trask. myself real quick. In a situation where it's 42 to seven, um, Trask coming out for the first drive of the third quarter absolutely is about stats. 100%. Well, hey, listen, I'm just telling you, they will get that sixth touchdown if that's the case. But I just wanted to correct my own math there. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, if that happens, that's the only reason why it was stats. Because there's no reason. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Now, if it's 42 21 because the defense didn't do their job or something, I think that's a totally different story. Absolutely. Again, I think one of my first points on Trask leading the Heisman is that Florida's defense has been yeah, so bad right, right. that he's needed to yeah. um, keep throwing the ball in, in some games. So, um, so yeah, like I think that that all kind of plays into it. Um, you know, the year that you know Florida State didn't need to keep throwing the ball the year Jameis won, our defense gave up eleven points a game, and that's why we had more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns that year. Um, so, you know, more balanced, better defense, 
you know, if Jameis, if, if Jimbo would have wanted Jameis to throw it for 80 touchdowns, I mean, we could have, right? Like we just didn't do that. So, um, anyway, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think a realistic score and then we'll do picks and get out of here. Um, is probably like Clemson 56, Florida State 13, 17, you know, like, you know, maybe we score a couple of times with the backups in. I, I don't know. Sounds like Jordan Travis is going to play. I mean, that gives me hope for like us busting one, you know, long, long drive. I mean, I could see us scoring anywhere from 13 to 17. Um, I can see us getting shut out. I can see it being 48, nothing. So we'll see. Um, all right. Some picks recapping last week's picks. Um, UGA Missouri got canceled. Um, we both took Miami. They won at the last second. They won by one, went for two at the end. It would have covered the spread and didn't get it. Um, so we both missed that. We both hit on Notre Dame. Notre Dame won by 14. That was a 13 and a half point spread. So we both got it by half a point there. Um, Texas A&M, Tennessee canceled. Bama LSU canceled. Um, you got Florida. I took Arkansas at 17 and a half. And then we both got Wisconsin over Michigan and NC State over Florida State. You went four for five. And I went three for five. So on the season, it's getting close. You are 30 and 34. I am 31 and 34. So just one game separates us. Um, this week, Clemson and Florida State, 34 and a half points for Clemson. I'm taking Clemson. I think I like Clemson here too. Florida, 31 and a half against Vandy. This kind of scares me, but give me Florida. I can't pick against them. Okay, so here's what I want to know. If you could only pick one of the two teams to cover, are you more confident in Florida covering or less confident in Florida State covering? Like if you could only pick one of the two. Now you could pick both. You, you've got Clemson and Florida, but which I'm one are you I'm more confident that Florida covers the spread. So okay. more confident in Florida State. Oh, 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 okay. Wait, no, I was I misunderstood the question. I am more confident that Clemson beats Florida State by 34 or more points than I am that Florida beats Vanderbilt by 31 and a half. Gotcha. That's what I, that's that's how I would side as well. And I think both happen, but um top 10 matchup, huge spread. Ohio State minus 20 and a half against Indiana. Um 20 and a half. I think I'm going to go with Indiana. I don't think Indiana wins this game. I just think that's a pretty big spread. Yeah. I kind of want to do the same thing, but I'm taking Ohio state. Um, this is the largest dog. I can remember UCF being in a regular season game for a long time. UCF is a six and a half point dog to Cincinnati. The game is in Orlando. Um, I like UCF to cover here. I like Cincinnati to win the game. Uh, I'm taking Cincinnati. Um, Virginia Tech is a three and a half point favorite against Pitt after uh, losing to both Liberty and Miami in back to back weeks. Um, I think I like Virginia Tech to cover this. I was even on the say, road. I like Virginia Tech. Yeah. Um, Bama is thirty and a half point favorite against Kentucky at Kentucky. No, no, just in Alabama. Give me Alabama. I never get bet against Saban, especially not nope, in Atlanta. Me neither. Nope. It's a little, foresh- little foreshadowing there. I'll take Ha-ha. him in it. Uh, Oklahoma is a seven and a half point favorite against Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Give me Oklahoma State. I like Oklahoma here. Um, not with any kind of confidence or anything, but we'll see what happens. Um, UGA 
fresh off their COVID week, is a 25.5-point favorite against Mississippi State. Um, I think UGA rolls here. I, I think Mississippi State is just one of the worst teams in the SEC by far. So give me UGA. Um, okay, yeah, give me UGA too. And our favorite team of the year, uh, Liberty is a three and a half point underdog at NC State. Give me Liberty. Yeah, I like Liberty to um to win the game. So yeah, so do I. Um, so we'll see what happens there. That's actually the only game I care about on Saturday. Um, anything else before I get canceled over this Kyle Trask slander? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's about it. I think um. You know, nothing too exciting this week on uh, on the schedule, but that's okay. That's usually when the crazy things happen, right? When you can look at the schedule and say, like, ah, nothing, nothing crazy going on this week. Let's get it, Commodores. That would be crazy. Oh yeah, no, that, <laughs> that is not what I had in mind. We have soccer at one, and so that's going to be a really big pain because. I'm going to be sitting in a soccer field watching the game on my phone, getting yelled at by my children to pay attention. Watch those kids. The game will be over at one o'clock. Yeah. Watch the kids. Um, Uh, Well, we have to be there at noon, so I will have missed all of it, but you know, sorry. um, Well, hopefully the girls win and the Gators do not. So outside of that, (laughs) I hope everybody has a good week. (laughs) 